It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Odyssey Sports 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast. I am Brian Rennick. I am joined by the one and only Zane Nackfee. And later on in this episode, I will be joined by a special guest, Matt Barrows, beat writer for the 49ers over at The Athletic. But before we get to Matt, Zane, it's a big matchup this weekend. It's the return of the Mac, the 49ers versus the Florida Niners. The Dolphins are coming to Levi Stadium. I will be there. I'm excited. How are you feeling about this game? I expect detailed notes the next show that we have when we have a rap show or game game after game show. You you want to <laughs> I want to see a full notepad. I want to see everything. I want to know what Mike McDaniel was wearing. I want to know what shoes he was wearing. I want to know what length his sleeves were. I want to know everything. <laughs> and I know you're going to give us that great information. I, I really do. Abs- but absolutely. It's supposed to be raining this weekend, possibly. Yes. Yes. So, so he might be wearing he might be wearing rain gear, but we'll see. And it's interesting that you that you point that out as we dive right into this game. Dive rain, huh? Wet water. Nice. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Uh, but as we as we get into this game, and it's interesting to me because this is the first time that either of these teams have faced an opponent of this caliber. And you can argue that the Niners face the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are, are mm-hmm. better than the Dolphins, and I would agree, but they were not at full strength. There were several players that were injured that are now coming back. The 49ers were not at full strength. Correct. They were not at full strength. And they were just starting to work Christian McCaffrey into the fold. We didn't know what the offense would look like. This was that stretch where the defense was was really banged up and not playing well, right? The Atlanta KC stretch, and they were were struggling there. It's a different defense now, and it's a different sort of feel to the team as well. Jimmy's been playing better, although he didn't have a a stellar game, but the offensive line kind of contributed to that. And now you throw in this rain factor and what's the thing that's going to slow down a really fast and speedy team. It's, it's inclement weather and the team that can run the ball and play defense typically has an advantage in that circumstance. So I'm really excited to see how they stack up against this team because the last super high flying team that they played played again was the chiefs and, and they didn't really perform that well. So yeah. this is another kick at the can for a team that's really talented i'm nobody everybody knows that there's no secret on this show that you and i are big mike mcdaniel stands right you yes. are absolutely yes, for sure so what he's done down there has been phenomenal and tua has been playing very jimmy-esque if you will right they have similar statistics and they have similar sort of things that they get they're asked to do in the offense Tua has more mobility mm-hmm. to him but really yeah. they kind of found lightning in the bottle with Mike McDaniel. And, and I'm actually happy to see the success that they've had of there. A lot of smack talk coming out of Miami though. It's really funny to see that Woo. because guys that we like, like Mostert and Jeff Wilson and, and yeah. for some reason Trent, Sher- Trent Sherfield got into the mix. I don't know if he's even seen the, seen right. the field this year. Right? One year, but, one year 49er Trent Sherfield. Yeah. It's, it's just weird, yeah. but it's going to be a really fun game because I, I like these types of games, these measuring stick games, because if you come out on top, it's a really huge confidence boost for your team. And if you lose by a little bit, it's still a confidence boost because it shows that you can hang in there. I think that it'll be a close game. I think it'll be back and forth. I don't know if it's going to be a track meet again because of the weather. And I think that Kyle's really going to try to control the pace of this game. Concern that I do have, Elijah Mitchell, as we know by now, is out several more weeks with another, with another MCL injury. He's on the IR. Yeah. So it's basically McCaffrey and 
our favorite, one of our favorites, Jordan Mason, that, that are going to be in the backfield for the Niners here. And, and we'll have to see what they do with the running game. The offensive line did not have a good showing last game. And I'm hoping it was because of the short week, the weird week with Mexico. They get a chance to reset. They're at home, which is an advantage. And I, I mean, off to the races. I'm, I'm set, man. I'm ready to go. Yeah, the cool thing about this game is it feels high stakes just because it's, you know, the return of Mike McDaniel. Mm-hmm. It is an eight and three Dolphins team, which means, like you said, it is a measuring stick game, right? You've got an opponent who is playing really well right now. You've got an offense uh, that's coming in uh, ranked uh, number uh, two overall in uh, offensive DVOA. But the nice thing about this game as well is even if you lose this game, which I'm I'm hoping they don't, obviously. I want the 49ers to win every game that they're in. I want them to go undefeated every season. But um, if you lose this game, it doesn't have a ton of impact on your playoff chances, right? The, the 49ers have a full game up on Seattle now, which is nice. There's a little bit of a buffer there. Obviously, we don't want to lose that buffer. Uh, but this is a non-conference game. Uh, there aren't any teams that the 49ers will be battling for playoff positioning um, where a loss to this team matters, right? So mm-hmm. in all reality, it's it feels like a bigger deal than it is uh, in terms of, of magnitude when you think about just thinking about this game. But more, I think, I think ultimately it's, like you said, a measuring stick game. You know, it's a... Kyle Shanahan versus Kyle Shanahan disciple, right? All of those cool storylines, but in the grand scheme of the 2022 season, not the biggest, not the biggest game. Um, And so I'm excited. I'm excited because I, I feel like you can, you could go into this game ready to just really ready for anything. Right. And, and, I keep thinking about this game. It's really hard for me to figure out how this game is going to go. And there's some really interesting matchups here in terms of offense versus defense for both sides of the ball, right? You've, you've really got, you've really got a tale of two teams, one team that has a a decent offense and a really good defense. And then you've got an, uh, another team that has a really good offense and, and not a great defense. And so, is it going to come down to the more complete team or are we going to look at something like, like you said, like we saw against the chiefs where this, this high powered offense, you know, finally breaks through and then the, the levy breaks. Right. And, and you mm-hmm. think about that chiefs game. I think sometimes we forget it was a one score game going into the fourth quarter. They were right. close and that game mm-hmm. was close. And then the chiefs just absolutely broke it open. Uh, but that game felt, you know, like a blowout when in reality, I mean, the final score was, but it was competitive for the first three quarters. So this Mm -hmm. is going to be a fun game. I'm excited. I'm excited for the game. I'm excited to be there. Um, The rain as it stands right now, we said it earlier, supposed to be showers early in the morning, and then it's supposed to hold off and maybe not come back until the the late afternoon. So there could be no rain at all. Um, for the game itself. That's my hope, obviously as a fan that has to sit in it, but, um, but yeah, also it's, it's Thursday and, and those weather reports can change pretty quickly. So we'll have to see. Um, but let's go ahead and, and kind of take a look at the matchups and I wanted to start, uh, we'll start with the 49ers offense versus the dolphins defense. And so I'm just going to throw some numbers out for you. 
in terms of DVO, DVOA rankings for the 49ers offense and then for the Dolphins defense. So as it stands right now, uh, the 49ers offense is ranked 10th overall in offensive DVOA. They are 21st in rush DVOA, and they are 5th in pass DVOA, which is surprising, right? That's surprising for, for this team that we many people view as, as a running team. And in reality, this team has been far more successful throwing the ball this season than they have uh, rushing the ball. Though, over their past, since this Christian McCaffrey trade, that that rush DVOA, if you just isolate since McCaffrey has been there, uh, I believe they are, I think they're in the top five. So they've gotten mm. obviously better. Um, the Dolphins defense overall, 17th ranked in DVOA, uh, 12th against the rush and 25th against the pass. So there's some unique, there's some unique matchups here, at least on at least I think so, because if you look at the way to attack this Dolphins defense, it's through the air. They're mm-hmm. they're 25th against the pass. They're actually decent defending the run. So my question is, is Kyle Shanahan going to put this game in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands? Because based on based on the matchup, that's really the game plan that he should probably be looking at. Now, will he? I don't know. Um, but the good news in terms of offensive side of the ball, Christian McCaffrey was back at practice today, and so was Spencer Burford. So it looks like McCaffrey will be uh, in the game and Burford will as well. And then, like you said, uh, Mitchell has gone out. Now it's going to be Ty Davis Price and Jordan Mason. Haven't heard a whole lot about Tevin Coleman. I'm hoping that that it's it's just those two, um, at least for this game. But but we will see. Yeah, I think that with looking at that Dolphins defense, and you mentioned the, DV, the DVOA numbers to, to further that. So they're 22nd in the league in passing yards allowed. And they are 10th in the league in rushing yards allowed. So I think that to your point that they're going to be able to be beat through the air if it's going to happen. And it's going to be a lot of the short, quick throws similar to what we saw against, uh, well, not necessarily against Arizona, but the, the idea of Jimmy kind of like being able to stem the tide a little bit uh, in the first half, especially is uh, you'll see a similar game plan as they saw, as we saw in Arizona and, and well, Mexico against Arizona. And I think a lot of the short, quick stuff, dump offs to, to the running backs, McCaffrey. The only thing that I'm kind of concerned about when, when we look at that, the safety outlet stuff, is that we don't know what we've got from Jordan Mason and TDP in terms of catching the ball. We know they can run. We know, especially especially Jordan Mason, we know he can run well, but can they be a receiver? Can he be a receiving threat out of the backfield? And I think that that's a, a big deal this year in the offense that we haven't seen in years past is having that just running back out of the backfield to dump off to as a safety outlet. And, and they necessarily like, they haven't necessarily used it too much, but I think that at some point, if you have to dink and dunk a team to death, then do it. Uh, there was no Debo at practice today. So that's one thing yeah. as well that, that we should be paying attention to very, very closely. He's got a hamstring injury, which is uh, those soft tissue injuries. You just never know. So I think that in that sense, it, it will lend a sort of credence to the idea that guys like George Kittle, Guys like McCaffrey, Juszczyk, maybe more involved in passing game than they, than they have in the past. McCaffrey, obviously, you know, he's been heavily involved here and there. But I think that it's going to be that type of game where yards will be hard to come by, but you are going to have to be able to play three yards at a time, basically, and be be okay with that. And can Kyle do that? I mean, we'll see. Yeah. The, the matchup that I'm kind of looking at right now, like they, they, they've got Melvin Ingram and, and Bradley Chubb as, as, yeah. as their defensive ends. 
Yeah, that is a huge matchup. And the way that the Niners offensive line p- played last week, they have to tighten that up. They have to give Jimmy time. It's not surprising that he he threw an almost pick and he had several other throws that were kind of close. It's not surprising. He was under pressure all day. He was getting battered all day. And if that they allow that to happen again, then it's going to be supremely difficult because you already know that you're down one, one of your starting running backs. I consider Elijah Mitchell and CMC start like one, a one B right. They're both yeah. starters. So, so okay. you're down one of your running backs and you're, you're, you're short on that at that position group and you're going to have to throw the ball. And if, if they can't protect, yeah. I believe Mel, Melvin Ingram has what five sacks this year, I think. Is that five? Yeah, they don't uh, have they don't yeah. have impressive sack numbers. Um, but again, Chubb is Chubb came at the trade deadline, so he's only yeah. been he's only been with them for three. Games. I want to say three games. Yeah, yeah, three games. He has he has, he has one yeah. and a half sacks in three games. Uh, Ingram has has five. Okay. So yeah. again, like Trent Williams, whoever whoever Trent Williams has will be neutralized. I'm okay with that side, right? Sure. Left side of the line, we're fine with that, right? It's that right side that that scares me specifically, yeah. like McGlinchey, right? And he will see well, one of Chubb or Ingram. And, and that is and gonna Chubb, be what's game is good. Yeah, and 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 Chubb Chubb wrecked shop in that Denver game earlier this mm-hmm. season when he was when he was on Denver. He he was in the backfield a lot. And so mm-hmm. that's definitely something to take a look at. Um, you know, it's interesting you mentioned uh both Debo and um and Kittle. Um Akash of Niners Nation tweeted this out earlier today. The Dolphins are 29th in DVOA defending tight ends in the passing game. Yeah. Uh the only teams worse are Arizona, Jacksonville, and New York. Right. And what did George Kittle do against Arizona? So yeah. you're you're right. This definitely could be a George Kittle game, especially uh, if Debo isn't going to go. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, our uh, our illustrious colleague, uh, Mr. Al Sacco, tweeted this out earlier today as well. Debo Samuel has not been Debo Samuel this season. Um, and it, it's it's really kind of drastic uh, in twenty twenty one. Uh, now again, this is over the full season, right? We've only we've only had eleven games so far, uh, but in 2021, uh, Debo is getting uh, seven and a half targets a game uh, for almost five receptions and uh, almost 88 yards a game. In 2022, the targets are there, the receptions are almost identical, but the yards, 51 yards, his his depth of target has been so shallow. And so it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I said it earlier, uh, Matt Barrows from the athletic is going to be on. And that's going to be one of the questions that I ask him is what, what does, what is his, his opinion on what's been going on with Debo? Why, why has he been relatively, uh, quiet this season? Why, why, why haven't we seen more downfield, uh, routes from him and things like that? So it will definitely be interesting uh, like I said, the Dolphins are better at defending the run than the pass. And so we'll see if Kyle Shanahan is is finally willing to start kind of putting things in, in Jimmy's hands because we've seen it before. We've seen him come out and be pass happy against teams that are selling out to stop the run. That's what we did against the Rams. So they did against the Cardinals. Right. And so we've seen it now. Are we going to see it again? And and I think I think if the 49ers offense is going to be successful it is going to be uh, through the air against this Dolphins defense. But let's go ahead, switch gears. Let's look at this high-powered Dolphins offense against. Sorry, one, one, one thought on Debo. One thought on Debo. Oh, go quick. ahead. Go ahead. So with Debo, I think what you're seeing is possibly just Kyle 
being Kyle and evolving his scheme to give the ball to guys that are thriving the most. And that's Brandon Ayuk, McCaffrey, Mitchell, when he was healthy. And maybe it's just that type of scheme, right? Where it just revolves around the hot hand. And we saw this really, especially when in 2021, when they started running Debo out of the backfield in the second half of the season. And that kind of was the jolt that got this team going. So I'm wondering if it's a similar sort of deal this year where they're going to start featuring Debo a little bit more as we get closer to the playoffs to possibly have that, that same sort of effect where you haven't seen much of him and we have all these things that we want to do with him and there'll be a time and a place for it. And they may just unleash that closer to the playoffs. It's wishful thinking because he's an important piece of the offense. He's an important player. He was the MVP last year of the team. Yeah. You could argue. Oh, but I don't think it's an argument. <laughs> yeah. He was, the, he was the, yeah. the team MVP last year, but yeah. I think that, you know, it could be one of those things where are you just keeping him on ice until you need him? Or I'm, I'm hoping this it's that because this is an embarrassment of riches on, on offense. And if you can't get all of them, the ball at some point and get them in space at some point, then it's, then it's, it's really not a good look. Yeah. And I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan is, is known for one. I mean, one of the, one of his, the reputation that he has, right. Is that he's really good at setting up plays at the beginning of the game that he's going to use again at the end of the game to use the defense's response to the play initially against them later in the game. Right. Um, and he's also notorious for not wanting to put things on tape too early. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering, like you said, maybe that's what we're looking at. Maybe, maybe part of it is, Hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to try and spread the ball around. We're not going to try and feature one guy or another. Right. But I've got so many plans for this guy. I've got so many plans for this guy. So it will definitely be interesting. But part of the problem is sometimes that's to Kyle Shanahan's detriment. All of a sudden we get to the fourth quarter and it's like, great. You didn't use these plays, but now you're down two scores and, and now you've mm -hmm. lost this game. So hopefully, hopefully we see Debo not only get involved, but start to be uh, a, a bigger piece of this offense. Uh, especially as we get later into the season. And then, you know, obviously the hope is a postseason and they're well positioned for that, but uh, we're going to have to see. Uh, but again, switching gears to this Dolphins offense versus the 49ers defense. You know, I was doing a research, you know, to to prep for for this episode. And, and here's one of the things that I found that I thought was really interesting. Uh, so the Dolphins have scored 30 plus points in their last four straight games. Okay, mm -hmm. So the last four games they've played, they've scored 30 plus. But here's the opponents that they've scored those 30-plus points again, against. And then their defensive DVOA ranking. Detroit ranked 24th, Chicago 31st, Cleveland 29th, and Houston 27th. And then to dive even deeper, when they played Pittsburgh, who's ranked 14th, they scored 16 points. And then again, this is with Tua. I didn't look at the games that that Tua wasn't in. Uh, there were three, so I I, I I just looked at the games that Tua started. Mm -hmm. When they played New England, granted it was the first game of the season, but New England is currently uh, ranked second in defensive DVOA. They scored twenty points. Uh, they faced Baltimore uh, in Week Two. They scored forty-two points. Baltimore is now ninth ranked in DVOA, and then they faced Buffalo uh, in Week Three. Uh, Buffalo is third ranked in DVOA and they scored 21 points. So the only time this season that this team has scored more than 21 points against a top 15 defense was all the way back in week two against that Ravens defense. And so while they've earned the reputation of being a high flying offense, 
they really haven't faced a ton of stiff competition in the in the form of good defenses. And so that's really to me it's almost an unknown. They haven't faced they haven't faced a good defense since Tua's first game back from his concussion, which was against Pittsburgh. And if you remember watching that game, uh, he threw almost four interceptions in that game, hit four different Steelers mm-hmm. in the hands or the chest, and they dropped them. So mm-hmm. the Dolphins haven't faced a defense of this caliber, arguably since week one or week three, if you want to include Buffalo. And and again, they scored 21 points. So I don't know. I And not only that, but they could be down both of their starting tackles, yeah. uh, which could be uh, pretty huge. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the irresistible force, meaning the immovable object, right? Who is going to blink first? Is it going to be this 49ers defense that hasn't allowed a second half point in four straight games that pitched a, a shutout, uh, last game that hasn't allowed more than nine points in a quarter in 19 straight quarters, or is it going to be this high powered dolphins offense missing both tackles? Uh, on a field that could be that could be a little wet, a little slippery. I don't know. Against what is arguably the best defensive line in the league, who is getting Eric Armstead yeah. back, by the way. Yes. As of this last hour, just tweeted out. Yes. Eric Armstead should be playing on Sunday, which he, is huge. He told reporters he'd be playing. Yep. Yep. So yeah. it's, it's, it is basically official. He should be playing Sunday. And if you look at the way that Miami operates, they don't even – they try to run the ball, but they're not committed to it. So the last – the last five games, here are the rushing totals for the last five games as a team. Against Minnesota, they uh, which is back to going back to October 16th. Against Minnesota, they had 78 yards rushing. Next week against Pittsburgh, they had 95 yards rushing. Next week against the, the Lions, they had 82 yards rushing. After that, it was the Bears. It was that weird game where they were back and forth, forth with fields, and it was just like, yeah, you know, that crazy game. And, and they ran for 252 yards. Mostert went off and, and uh, Jeff Wilson also scored that touchdown. Too. I believe that was the first game that they both played with them, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the first game. Mm-hmm. And after that week, so uh, against Cleveland on November 13th, they rushed for 100, 112 yards. And then last week they they uh, um, basically were not rushing the ball at all. There's 36 yards against the, te- the, the Texans. So they're going to throw the ball. And there is one spot that I'm particularly worried about aside from Tyreek Hill, because he could beat anybody. I'm sure. very worried about D'Amador Lenore against either of their receivers. And that's not to yeah. say Lenore is a, is a bad player at all. He's a very solid player. He's a good player, but man, against Tyreek Hill or J- Jalen Waddle, like that's just, that's, that's a mismatch that they're going to be going at. They're going to be going at that all day. And I fully expect Mike McDaniel to exploit that. And my hope is, is that due to those two tackles possibly being out, uh, at least one looks like he's going to be out. I think Armstead's going to be out. He's got that chest injury. I don't know how he's going to play with that. Yeah. But uh, due to that, I think and I hope that they can get to the get to the quarterback and rush him a little bit, get him off his spot, make him go through his reads quickly. If you can do that, then the the coverage on the back end will take care of itself. I think that D'Amico Ryan's plays a lot of zone here. It's a lot of hey, we're not going to give up the big play. And we'll we'll deal with a thousand paper cuts that, because that also gives our defense a chance to force turnovers, which is what they've been doing at a, a really good clip so far. So I yeah. think it's going to be that sort of game. A lot, a lot of cover two, a lot of cover three, a lot of zone. You'll see very little man, at least to start this game. You see very little man, mm-hmm. and they're just going to be like, "All right, Tua, you want to throw and pick us apart? We dare you. Just do it. Try it." And and yeah. they'll probably end up with their share of turnovers because, like you said, 
he throws it to the other team and it's up to them to be able to catch it. Yeah. I mean, to a, the, like I said, that game against Pittsburgh, there were four dropped interceptions, but mm -hmm. on the, on the books, he's only got three, um, which kudos to him. Right. But yeah. I think if both tackles are out, I think what you're going to see is a ton of quick game. And so mm -hmm. really it's going to be uh, dependent upon the linebackers to tackle, right? Mm -hmm. um, really that's going to be, I think that's going to be the difference in this game. If, if the 49ers can tackle, I think that, that they'll, that they will, they will be able to withstand this offense and they will come out with a victory. If mm -hmm. the, the, if the tackling is, is sloppy, if there's, you know, if, if Hufanga is missing tackles, if, if those uh, three linebackers, Aziz, Warner, and Greenlaw, if they're missing tackles, it's going to be a long day. Uh, because, like I said, I think they're it, with both tackles out against these, this defensive line. Mike McDaniel's seen this defensive line for, you know, five years now. I, he knows what he knows what they're about. He knows what they're going to do. And so, very similar to what Kyle Shanahan does when Trent Williams is out, uh, is he's going to rely a lot on getting that ball out quick. And so, mm -hmm. like I said, it's it's going to be incumbent upon those linebackers uh, and safeties and corners to to tackle and tackle well, because I don't think there's going to be a ton of opportunity to uh, to for uh, I'm not let me rephrase that. It's not that there's going to not going to be a ton of opportunity for the defensive line to eat. I just think that uh, they're not going to they're, they're not going to have any really long developing pass plays, especially if both tackles are out. So and not only that, but. Tua is, uh, I believe, first in the league in in, in time to throw, meaning that uh, he is actually getting the ball out quicker than than um, than Jimmy Garoppolo, mm -hmm. but he also leads the league in uh, intended air yards, meaning that mm -hmm. he's throwing it quick, but he's able to throw it quick and get it deep down the field because he's got two of the fastest receivers in the NFL. So, you know, even with both of those tackles out, they may still be able to play the game that they want to play. Um, but we're obviously going to have to, we're just going to have to see, you know, obviously that's as, as, uh, as Al, as Al would say, we'll just have to wait and see. Right. <laughs> so, um, it's going to be a great game. I, I, I think, I don't think it's going to be high scoring. Um, I also don't think it's, it, it's, I think it's either going to be close. This is my prediction. It's either going to be a close hard fought game or, it's going to be a Dolphins blowout. It is not going to be a 49ers blowout. I I, yeah, I, I don't think there's any way that this is going to be a 49ers blowout. And so no. uh, with that, let's get to our game predictions and then uh, and then we'll get to uh, Matt Barrows from The Athletic. Uh, do you want me to start or do you want to start with your predictions, Zane? Why don't you go ahead? All right. Yeah. I'm going to be at this game. I desperately want to see the 49ers win this game. And I think knowing the pattern that Kyle Shanahan has had against his former assistants, Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, and now Mike McDaniel, right? Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay. Kyle Shanahan has pretty much owned Matt LaFleur. Just the one, the one time that they've lost was that 2019. Um, or no, I guess they've lost twice, 2019 and 2020 but then got him back in the playoffs and then got him back in the playoffs in 2021. Um, he knows tendencies. He knows that they know tendencies. And so I think he's, he's, he's willing to zag, especially when facing these guys. And so 
I'm, I'm going to keep my pattern. I'm predicting a 49ers victory uh, because I can't, I can't predict a loss to a game I'm going to. I just can't. I, it's just not within me. So I am going to predict a 49ers victory, and I'm going to say the 49ers win this game 30 to 27. Okay. So I hate this matchup for the 49ers. I hate it because there's so much speed on the Dolphins' side, yes. and I, I hate that because – if it was a just like a slogging team, like a plodding team, like, it's like all right, cool, like the defense will be fine. But it's it's such a big deal when you have speed like that, like elite speed at every level on their offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have a quarterback who's delivering the ball on time and accurately, and a quarterback who's hot, frankly, they won five games in a row. He's 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 a hot quarterback, he's on a hot streak. And you've got an offensive line that kind of struggled. That's that's maybe a blip on the radar. That may be just one thing, like an outlier. But so let me back up and say that they've got games against Miami, Tampa Bay, and in and, and Seattle next, right? Yeah. You got to get to 10 wins to make the playoffs. You you have to get to 10, at least 10. I think that 10 will do it. As, as a wild card, 10 will do it. And maybe more for the division. But you got it to 10. They're at seven now. That means that there's several other games at the end of the season that are, are winnable against the Commanders, Raiders, and, and Cardinals again, right? And, and yep. I feel like you can get two wins out of that. So out of these three games, they need one win. And it's really hard for me to pick them to pick uh, pick them against Brady when he comes here for the last time, which will probably <laughs> be the last time. And that Seattle game terrifies me because I, I hate playing. I hate when they have to play up there for like the division or something like that. On so. On a Thursday night, on a short week, when you know it's going to yeah. be rainy and miserable, so you need one <laughs> out of these three games at least. And I, I, I hate the matchup, but I'm going to say that they're going to get this one. The Niners, yeah. the Niners will get this one. So, the Niners, hopefully, will win. It's going to be close. It's going to be a Robbie Gold field goal at the end, and they're going to win 28-27. Right. 28-27, one point victory. Whew. Yes. Man, I don't know if my heart can take it, but uh, but hey, I'm they, glad they, they don't have to have page. it. They don't have to have they it, don't. right? That's they the don't. Thing. Like that's the good thing yeah. is that the Niners, especially thank thank you Raiders, appreciate that because of the Raiders yes. last week. The Niners don't have to have this game, right? That's the biggest thing. Yeah. But the problem is, is that if you don't win here, you put yourself in a must win next week against Tom Brady, and I, I don't like yeah. that. So despite yeah. the fact what whatever Tampa Bay is doing and and all that stuff, you, you got to have this one. So I'm gonna say we're gonna see them win. All right. I love it. All right. Thanks, Zane. I will be back with you and Al on Monday to recap this 49ers hopeful victory. Uh, But up next, Matt Barrows from The Athletic. All right. Again, Odyssey Sports 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. I am Brian, and I am thrilled to be joined by personally my favorite beat writer, uh, formerly of the Sacramento Bee, my local newspaper, and now of The Athletic, Matt Barrows. Matt, thanks again so much for your time. How are things going for you this evening? Uh, very well, and uh, thank you for that nice intro, and and thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we, <clears throat> we've we got a big game coming up. Uh, I know I'm excited. I'm going to be at the game, uh, which uh, hopefully it's not raining too much or not at all would be ideal for me. Uh, although that might slow down this Dolphins offense a little bit. Um, but when it comes to this game, you know, even though there aren't a ton 
of playoff implications. It's a non-conference opponent. Um, you know, both teams are, are riding winning streaks and both teams are coming in relatively healthy. Although on, on offense, the 49ers are missing Elijah Mitchell. And it seems like the dolphins might be missing Taron Armstead and possibly Austin Jackson. Uh, but let's look at the 49er side with Elijah Mitchell. He makes such a large impact, even though he's only been, you know, on the field for the first game for a little bit. And then, you know, two games since coming back. Um, how big of a loss do you think it is for the offense with, with Mitchell going down and, and how do you see them filling the void? Uh, it's a big loss. Uh, you know, they, they just love the way that, that Mitchell runs the ball. And I don't know whether this is part and parcel to his injury history, but he runs uh, with authority. He runs hard. Um, so, I mean, uh, you know, he's been getting, I think McCaffrey was averaging something like 86% of the offensive snaps when he was with the Panthers. Uh, since he's been in San Francisco, he's been getting maybe 65%. Uh, and that's because they're they're perfectly, uh, you know, willing to uh, give give the ball to to Mitchell for certain drives uh, during a game. So it's it's great for everybody, and it's especially great for Christian McCaffrey, I think, because yeah. it's just not overused like uh, maybe he was in, in Carolina. And I think that that really bodes well for um, you know the rest of the season and future seasons should McCaffrey uh, continue to play for the 49ers. Um, the, the second part of your question is, I don't know, but I, I think it's really interesting. Um, in games where, uh, Jordan Mason and Ty Davis price have, have both been active. It's been Davis price. Who's actually gotten the, uh, the bulk of the carries, bulk of the offensive snaps. I think they like him as a, uh, as a tailback more than they like Jordan Mason. Now, uh, who do they like more as a, you know, uh, a guy on the uh, on the active roster uh, in, in a game in which you do have McCaffrey and you do have Debo and you do have Elijah Mitchell. Obviously, it's it's Mason because he's the uh, the better special teamers and, and 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 good on him for kind of ca carving that niche for himself um, and and giving himself the chance to you know be in a game like the Saints game on Sunday. But I mean, I, I think if it were all even, they would go with Ty Davis Price. Um, now, having said that, they were really impressed with Mason on Sunday. Um, it really boils down to um, how comfortable they are with these guys during the week, um, how sharp the guys are on their game plan, um, this, that, and the others. But if I if I had to bet, I would put my money on Ty Davis Price just because he's gotten the carries in the past, whereas Mason hasn't. They, they really like him as a runner. I, I get a lot of uh, is Ty Davis Price the the second coming of of Trey Sermon? Questions and and my yeah. answer is always no, no. I think they really like uh, the way this guy runs. It would have helped him had he become a special teams ace mm -hmm. in the offseason. He didn't, uh, and so uh, Mason has sort of filled that niche. But um, that's how I see it going. But my my level of confidence is not all that high. And then you've got the Tevin Coleman factor in there as well. Um, that could be a curveball that that comes uh, on Saturday when he's elevated and, and maybe get some carries on Sunday as well. That was actually going to be my follow up. Has there been any kind of in indication that possibly Coleman could be up for that game, which would then make 
either Ty Davis price or Jordan Mason, probably not up. Right. And that would again, likely be Ty Davis price because of Mason's special teams ability. Um, and then on top of that is it's been my understanding from just the things that I've read that a lot of Jordan Mason, not getting many carries on the, uh, within the offense has more to do with some, I guess, protection issues, uh, not trusting him in pass protection. Um, is that, is that the case? Is that why he hasn't got a lot of run with, with the, with the offense and, and have those, have those, uh, issues gotten better as, as the season has progressed? Yeah, I, I think they have. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, to me, the, the main reason is that it's just a crowded spot for most of the right. season. I mean, especially when you have Debo back there, he's getting, I don't know, eight eight to ten snaps a game where he's lining up in the backfield. So, um, you know, in games where we've got Elijah Mitchell, McCaffrey, Debo, that 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 fourth tailback isn't isn't going to get any snaps. He's just not going to get into the game. Um, but um, protection is always an issue. Um, you know, Elijah Mitchell was one of the the few exceptions to that rule when it comes to a rookie. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the quarterback is so valuable. The protection is so critical that the the Bobby Turners and the Anthony Lynn's very, very old school coaches aren't yeah. going to let these guys into the game until they, they prove that. So, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely been an issue. I think what are we going into week 13 here? Um, mm -hmm. It's certainly better than it was at the beginning of the season. Um, and then the Coleman the factor, I mean, if I'm the 49ers, um, first of all, I, I really feel like Tevin Coleman was one of the big reasons the team felt okay in trading Jeff Wilson to the Dolphins because they said, okay, uh, worst comes to worst, we're just going to, we, we got Tevin Coleman. We really like Tevin Coleman and we like him a lot more than, than other teams do. Um, you know, Mitchell's going to go on IR. I would imagine, I, I, even that though, with the, restriction on the number of numbers of guys that you can bring up that that even that's not a given i'm going to ask uh, shanahan that on friday um and we'll see what he says sometimes he, he tries not to reveal these things but my my thought is that if you put mitchell on ir why not bring coleman up to the active roster mm -hmm. it just makes him what i call poach proof i mean there's no right. way that another team steals him away and Tevin Coleman can end up being a, a huge, huge um, asset, a component uh, in December if there are more injuries. And, you know, we, we've seen it happen. They, they, they come in spurts. Um, they, they came in cornerback at spurts last year. They came in running back last year at spurts. The 49ers are trying to guard against that. And I think that having Coleman on the active roster, even if he's inactive uh, for games, uh, that's just a, a wise move moving forward. Now you mentioned uh, Elijah Mitchell going on IR. The 49ers have two spots left, right? Two activations from the IR, right. which means that if they put Mitchell on IR, then, and and there, there has been, you know, a little bit of, of conversation surrounding Trey Lance and whether he could be back before the season ends or into the playoffs. But if, if they only have two, two activations left, if Mitchell goes on IR, that means that one of Mitchell, Lance, and Kinlaw are effectively done for the season. I want to—I uh, don't want to switch gears too much, but the Kinlaw part kind of goes into one of the questions that uh, Alan and uh, actually David had. Um, what is your 
feeling on Kinlaw, his status, and whether you think he'll be back this season as a contributor at all? I mean, they haven't opened his practice window even to this point. Um, the, the, the bottom line is I don't, I don't know the answer. Um, when, when, whenever we've talked to Kinlaw at his locker uh, in recent weeks, he seemed in a good place and uh, moving around well. He doesn't seem to have had a setback. But now would be the time. I mean, all these uh, these series of home games, you, you have the one game on turf, artificial turf in mm-hmm. Seattle coming up. Um, I just wonder whether they're going to, you know, uh, get past that one and then do it. And then it's all gra- it's all grass right. from that point forward. Even even Las Vegas plays on uh, on grass. So I think that, that they would feel better with that. But, um, you know, as far as, as far as the IR question. Um, I would imagine that they want to keep one of those activations open, um, you know, heading into the playoffs. I mean, like right. I said, I mean, what, what would happen if Charvarius Ward, um, you know, sprained his MCL and is out three weeks going into week 18? He doesn't play week 18, but you still want him back for, you know, the championship game or something like that. So right. uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a chess match and they've got to kind of think this through. Another great question to ask Shanahan on Friday is just um, how how uh, carefully are you considering those very few remaining moves? And uh, you're you're absolutely right. You, you need to kind of uh, hoard them at this point. So I mean, if if they felt like Tevin Coleman isn't going to get snatched away, or they've got a you know they've got an agreement with him mm-hmm. not to do that, then maybe. Um, they treat Mitchell like they did Eric Armstead. Know, know that this guy is going to be out two months um, or so, mm-hmm. uh, six to eight weeks, um, and just kind of uh, keep him on the active roster despite that. Now, you said uh, have a deal with Coleman. The poaching rules from the, the practice squad, right? So Tevin Coleman's on the practice squad. Another team could sign Tevin Coleman off the practice squad. Does that if if a team tries to poach a player, does that player have to agree before they go, or do they just get poached and 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 that's it? Yeah, I mean, um, usually there's an agreement. Um, you know, uh, no, nobody wants to sign a player that that doesn't want to be there. Sure. Um, so usually there's there's discussion with the player's agent, this, that, and the other. But I, I don't think that that's necessary. I mean, um, I mean, it would be a really kind of Machiavellian thing to do for say with some team that could play the 49ers in the playoffs for the Cowboys to yeah. kind of snatch him away so that he's not available. I'm sure the Cowboys are, are dealing with their own roster issues and may not have room, this, that, and the other. Most of these teams don't, I, I don't really ever hear about yeah. things like that poison pills and, 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 uh, and such. Um, probably frowned upon but um yeah i don't think that there needs to be consent for that to happen okay Uh, so um it's something to it's something to definitely consider uh like i said i would do it just to to have that reassurance that uh we're going to have this guy for the playoffs right let's uh, uh keep with with the offense um al sacco one of our one of our hosts on this on the no huddle podcast uh tweeted this out earlier today uh, and just taking a look at Debo Samuel's numbers through, you know, through week 12 of the 2022 season, 
versus his 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 per game averages from 2021. And while his targets and receptions are relatively similar, his yardage is way down in terms of of receptions and and even his yardage in the in the run game. It it felt like Debo Samuel ran a lot of deeper routes, especially early on in the season in, in 2021 versus what he's running now. Do you notice anything different about Shanahan's usage of Debo in this offense? Do you feel like it's part of a plan? Is he, you know, I know he has a bit of a reputation as like almost like a long range planner where it's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to run this play in the first quarter to see how the defense responds. And then I'm going to run something very similar in the, in, you know, in the second half, but you know, use what their response against them, especially as a play caller. But it also feels like he kind of saves plays sometimes for later in the season. Do you feel like maybe he's trying to save Debo a little bit, or does it just feel like it's just a, it's just, too many playmakers, basically. Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, the, there's, there's, you know, last year it was Debo and no one else. Right. I mean, Brandon, Brandon Ayuk uh, didn't start becoming Brandon Ayuk until late in the season. Uh, we've already talked about the running back issue. You know, it was uh, George Kittle was in and out of the lineup as well. So they really had to lean on him, and they, they lean on him harder than I think that they. They ever wanted to. I mean, remember those three playoff games? Debo came yeah. out of each of those games at some point just because he was just so so battered. So yeah. there's that. I think the offensive line is, um, you know, they're they're not blocking those outside runs uh, as well as they want to. And I think that's just a a factor of having inexperienced guys on that line. Uh, and I think that's going to get better over time. And then the other part is that Debo's not in as good shape as he was. A year ago, I mean, he's been, you know, he's dealt with one small injury, but those add up. I mean, yeah, you just don't get the conditioning um, that uh, you you get when you're when you're healthy uh, all season long. And and Debo's a guy, you know, as soon as he stops running, man, he can put up, he can pack on the pounds. I don't know what he is right now, but I think it's really uh, interesting that Wes Welker is coming back this week with the uh mm. with the dolphins because what welker was the debo weight guy he was the guy that was on debo constantly um to 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 lose weight and uh i think 220 was the max mm. uh, that uh, welker wanted him i don't know what debo weighs right now but isn't that your wheelhouse though matt aren't you the <laughs> aren't you the one that can that that can guess within within five pounds I can't. I am. I, I do. I do take a lot of pride, but I'm very. I'm. I'm afraid of Debo. Uh, sure, so I'm, I would I'm be not as well. Because he's Debo. His, his nickname right. isn't isn't Butter. Exactly. It's Debo. No. Um, so I'm not going to put a number out there because I'm. I'm afraid of Debo. But I. I'm. I will say that I would be surprised if it's under two twenty. I'll just put it that way. Fair enough. Um, speaking of again the offense. Uh, Jimmy's fourth in the NFL right now with a 1.3 uh, interception percentage, right? It's it's uh, Brady and then uh, Tua and I can't remember who's third and then Jimmy's fourth, which 1.3 is is about a percentage point lower than his than his career average. There's been a little bit of discussion. I don't think in the media so much as on 49ers Twitter, which you know has its its reputation. But 
one question that I have is, is there, <clears throat> can we attribute some of the growth in Jimmy Garoppolo's game this season, specifically the interception percentage, and just, it seems like he has a bit of a better grasp mentally on the offense. Can we attribute that to Brian Greasy, a, 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 a quarterback coach who played the position at the highest level in the NFL, but also played the position within the Shanahan offense. Do we think that that has, has allowed him to translate some of this a little bit better to Jimmy G than, than perhaps Rich Gangarello, who just lost his job as offensive coordinator at the University of Kentucky? Well, I know that uh, Garoppolo really likes Gangarello. So I, I don't okay. think that Garoppolo would ever um, admit to that or, 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 or cite that. But I mean, uh, you know, I, I do think having Greasy there has been uh, an asset. And that was a big question about how they would get along. And, um, uh, you know, Greasy famously said he'd never even talked to Garoppolo right. was late, late in the offseason when uh, everybody still thought that he was going to be traded. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a factor. I, I really think that Christian McCaffrey is probably a bigger factor factor um, just because yeah. uh, he's such a good outlet for Garoppolo and um, understands Garoppolo said that he understands, um, you know, route running like a, like a, a quarterback does. And um, that, that's Garoppolo's forte. I mean, he's mm -hmm. very good on the short throws. Uh, getting it out quickly. So, you know, it, um, McCaffrey is not just a good receiver. He's almost like a pass protector in that if Garoppolo feels nervous, instead of um, firing the ball, you know, to that, that lurking linebacker, which has always right. been his blind spot, he now looks for McCaffrey, um, you know, as, as an outlet. And, and McCaffrey's on the sides there. So uh, I, I think that probably more than anything else accounts for it. But it's it, I, to me, it's a big deal. I mean, the names that you mentioned, uh, the, the company he keeps now, just a couple of years ago, the company he kept was Baker Mayfield and Jameis Winston and yeah. Sam Darnold, guys that threw a lot of picks. And he was right up there uh, with his interception percentage with, with those. Uh, so it's been quite a, a, a dramatic turnaround for him. And I think that's that's the, the major stat you look at when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's season this year. Yeah, it feels like he's forcing less throws, especially into the middle of the field, uh, because he has he knows that he has that outlet. And, you know, I, I know that Kyle Shanahan offenses, you know, there have always been those outlets. It's just now he has a superstar in that position as opposed to, you know, again, no shade, but a Tevin Coleman or or even an Elijah Mitchell who isn't who, who catches balls, but isn't, isn't known as a receiver out of the backfield. And so, yeah, it feels like, it feels like some of, some of the bad decisions he's making, he's not making them because he can just toss it out to, you know, an all pro and Christian McCaffrey, which obviously is nice to have. Um, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball, which, you know, this, this defense has been incredible these past four games uh really all season uh, outside of that kansas city game which is why this game feels like a, a really big uh I, I guess measuring stick if you will for this defense they want to prove that 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 chiefs game was uh an outlier as opposed to you know when we come up against a good offense we're gonna get you know we're gonna get thrown on or run on or whatever um 
What what do you D'Amico Ryan's is likely gone after this season, right? It feels like that's pretty inevitable. Now, obviously, things can change, and it kind of felt that way last year. And I know he he interviewed with Minnesota and then said, you know what, I'm gonna remove it. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay at least another year. What do you feel like are the are the attributes that D'Amico Ryan's has that is going to make him uh, a, a good head coach in the NFL, or at the very least, a head coach in the NFL, probably next season? I mean, um, to to a person, anyone who has ever worked with Ryan's just uh, absolutely adores the guy. Um, he's sharp. Um, he's self-effacing. Um, you know, you know, these guys all have huge egos, and and I'm sure Ryan's does too. And he's got tremendous pride in what he does, but it it, it doesn't rub you the wrong way. He's a guy that you want to play with, which is what the case when he was a player and you want to play for. So, I mean, it's just, uh, um, you know, the, the combination of knowing what he's doing and um, the type of guy he is, I think that's going to be very appealing to an NFL owner. Um, you know, the, my, my question is he's a defensive coach and uh, usually when you're a bad team, you're, you're starting over and you don't have a good quarterback and you're, you're, you, you want to bring in, um, along with a new quarterback, usually a college quarterback, you want to bring in an offensive mind to sort of take that guy along. So that's that to me is the uh, the way that the 49ers retain the Miko Ryans is that all these teams, the Texans, uh, the, the Panthers, uh, whoever else is looking for uh, a head coach in the offseason uh, wants to go offensive. Um, to me, the, the the Texans are the most interesting one because He's got such a, a history there, but yeah. they've got a defensive minded coach head coach right now. So right. usually the team wants to do the opposite of, uh, of what they just had. So uh, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how many teams go in a new direction. Um, it's usually what five or six. So if it's five or six, I, I like his chances. If, if he does leave, if he does get a head coaching job somewhere else, um, what, what do you think the 49ers plan is, uh, to replace him? Do you feel like they've got some internal candidates that they might be looking at or that they might like, just like when Sala left, it was to elevate Ryan's, uh, obviously Vic Fangio's name kind of hangs out there a little bit. Um, do you feel like it would be an outside hire? Would it be an inside hire? Is Vic Fangio a, a you know, a viable candidate? What, what is your take on it? I've seen Vic Fangio show up at practice at random three times this year. So um, he's obviously got a good relationship with, with Kyle Shanahan. Um, and I, I think Shanahan saw uh, Sean McVay team up with Wade Phillips for a few years and, and really like that. The 49ers run into a Vic Fangio defense every other week. It seems like um, sort of copying that, that Fangio style of defense um, and it's, it's all the rage right now. And so, um, I, I just can only imagine that Shanahan would want to add the real McCoy, uh, if he no. could, the, the, the big question there to me is, is Nick Bosa, right. um, who, you know, made no bones about remember back in 19, it was either he goes to the Cardinals at, at one, or he goes to the 49ers at two mm -hmm. Cardinals at the time were running a three, four. And Bosa, like I said, made no bones about preferring to play in a 4-3. Yeah, he wants um, to put his hand in the dirt. Hand in the ground, defensive end versus a stand-up linebacker, which is what his brother 
does now in, in I was going to say San Diego, in, uh, <laughs> in Los Angeles for the yeah. Chargers. And I don't think uh, Joey Bosa is as happy in that role as Bosa, as Nick Bosa is uh, with that, you know, three-point stance in uh, in San Francisco. So that would something that would have to be something that um, would have to be discussed. Um, and then Kasurik is the other thing. I mean, I think um, you know the 49ers will say, "Listen, we really want to keep Chris Kasurik," and Kasurik plays right. a specific type of yep. defensive line. So if Angio can't um, acquiesce to that, I, I'm not sure it uh, it works. Fangio um, could just take Nick Bosa aside and say, hey, look, in um, in 2012, Alden Smith played outside linebacker, and I forget what his total was. You probably remember 18 and a half sack. Yeah, I think I was 19. I, I had 19 in my head, but. Yeah, uh, it was yeah, a, something a, around a there. gigantic yeah. number. Um, yeah. You know, you know, noting that, you know, um, you can get a lot of, uh, of sacks, get a lot of freedom. He might even actually um, – you know, be able to convince him. You're going to see fewer double teams, this, that, and the other. If you yeah. uh, if you do what I want to want you to do, so um, it's a it's a very interesting question moving forward. Should Ryan's get that job? As far as internal candidates, the only one that sticks out to me is Corey Unlin, the um, the secondary coach, uh, and I think he's done a good job. I think they like him. He did it for one season in Detroit. Detroit wasn't very good. Uh, and that's why Unlin is here now. But um, he'd be the only one that um, I, I think is uh, DC material. He was on that Matt Patricia staff, right? That's that's where he was. Uh, I think so. I forget when. Yeah, well, right. Patricia yeah. got there. He had been in Detroit for a few years, so he was okay. familiar with the uh, the personnel. Uh, before we get you out of here, Matt, we are uh, starting to look at the playoffs, right? And and the 49ers are currently positioned as the number three seed in the NFC uh, behind the Eagles, behind the Vikings, and then Tampa Bay uh, and or whoever decides to win the uh, NFC South with a maybe a losing record uh, as the four seed. Uh, outside of the Eagles, who are obviously hot right now, you know, they've got one loss. Um, is there any team that you feel is is the biggest threat to this 49ers team if they were to meet in the postseason? Um, no, I think I mean, I, I, and I even think that the 49ers are more talented than than the Eagles. I mean, I think that's a really uh, great game. Um, you know, the Seahawks have mystique about them. Um, and we'll see if that uh, holds true on on December 15. But uh, the 49ers had a relatively easy game against them in, in week two, despite losing yeah. their starting quarterback. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, they, they beat the Cowboys in Dallas last year. Um, you know, the Vikings seem vulnerable. Um, you know, in, you never want to play Tom Brady, I don't think, in a big game. So that that would be an issue. But, um, you know, the, the 49ers are just loaded. They're, they're going to be more talented than any team in the NFC. And, um, you know, back to your original questions. I mean, that's what makes this Dolphins game so interesting uh, because it would be a big confidence boost that, okay, we can hang with these top offenses, which are really all in the AFC right now. So it's um, probably the, the, the three best teams I think are the, 
the Eagles, the Chiefs, and, and the Bills. So, you know, beating Tua and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Raheem Mostert and Mike McDaniel uh, would be a, a, a nice feather in their cap and, a, like I said, a nice confidence boost that, hey, we could take on a, a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes or, or whoever uh, comes our way in the playoffs. One last question, uh, and this is Jimmy Garoppolo related, uh, just because we got to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. <clears throat> what you were, you were one of the ones that reported that it, it already felt like Jimmy Garoppolo was no longer a part of this team in the off season, right? They hadn't invited him to OTAs. I mean, he just, his, his, his presence wasn't anywhere. Then this, this felt like surprise restructure to come back. And then Trey goes down in week two, Jimmy Garoppolo steps in. If Jimmy Garoppolo leads this team to a Super Bowl victory, does Jimmy Garoppolo return as the quarterback for the 49ers? And or is there any scenario where maybe they look to tag him for and for a year or tag and trade, which I know doesn't really work that much in the NFL, but I mean there are opportunities for that what 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 is your feeling on on what this organization would do if Jimmy Garoppolo leads this team to a Super Bowl victory yeah I was gonna say I think the only scenario where he comes back is if he leads this team to a Super Bowl victory because if he doesn't then you know we're back to 2019 it's like you know, good yeah. but you can't win the big game against a Patrick Mahomes or um a Josh Allen so I mean I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo could set the world on fire between now and February 12. And if, if he's flat on February 12, or even if, if they lose the game, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you mentioned the 49ers Twitter, um, they'll, they'll turn on him. Uh, oh yeah. So uh, I feel like that's the only scenario where he comes back. And I don't think that they can franchise him. I think that, that that's written into the contract that uh, okay. that's, that's not an option. Uh, so, um, you know, it, let, let's say that they don't win the Super Bowl. I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo comes back. I do think that they are going to want a, uh, a veteran quarterback. Um, you know, Tom Brady's name is going to be bandied about a lot. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' name is going to be bandied about a lot. So I think that that's, that's the logical, um, you know, next step short of a Super Bowl victory for San Francisco. Oh, it's been a, it's been an awesome season and it feels like it feels like this team is on its way towards towards at least a Super Bowl berth. Matt Barrows, I appreciate your time so much. Uh tell everybody where they can read uh read your stuff and uh and and uh, go ahead and plug your your podcast as well. Yeah, well, uh, you can read my stuff at The Athletic. We have a pod at The Athletic that I do with David Lombardi and, and Dennis Brown, the uh, the ex-49er defensive tackle. Um, and then all of our stuff we put up on Twitter. So uh, the easy way to, to find the links is at Matt Barrows on Twitter. And uh, we have a new story up every day. Awesome. Again, thank you so much, Matt. This is Brian for the Odyssey Sports 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. Thanks for listening.
2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 